Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Welcome to the show! Welcome, guys! You are in the brand new studio with us on the Popcorn Talk Network. That's the first one. It's the first show in the brand new studio. It probably looks kind of similar to you uh, as we have logos that say Popcorn Talk and similar looking mics. But to us, this is incredibly exciting. And if you can hear it in my voice and see it on my face, you can see how stoked I am to be here doing this show, Action Movie Anatomy, on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online movie network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie related. I am your host, Ben Bateman joined today by my wonderfully dressed co-host with you're like a you're like a yellow jacket today I am. like a bumblebee <laughs> Andrew guy they don't, they don't make that sound yeah it is I know what you <laughs> we're here we're here in this new place I'm excited man it, it looks great it sounds nice got a little echo going on yeah we have a brick we're like uh, I feel like we're on Saturday Night Live or something the brick backdrop do I no? have, do I have to do my monologue no <laughs> I prepared a monologue please don't do that <laughs> uh, and guys we have a very special guest today. Um, very special guest in from Seattle, Washington, Mr. Damon Leachman, who is How do you guys know each other again? It's my oh, older brother. Related brother. Yeah. This is the man this is the man that gave me a VHS tape copy of Point Break when I was twelve years old as a present. Guilty. And uh, I was hooked and uh, that's I, I sit before you today doing action movie anatomy because of that. Because I think that. I think I largely credit that moment. So the weird. man, the legend, Damon. The man the mesh the legend. That's right. yeah. So uh, here we are to talk about The Matrix, 1999, classic, one of the iconic action movies of all time. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, by no exaggeration, classic. Like, no, I mean, I, this movie came out when I was in fifth grade. I was in Mrs. Duncan's class, and I went in the next day, and there was like this group of like eight of my friends surrounding me as I just talked to them about this movie, trying, trying to explain it to them, and like how blown my mind was. And again, I'm in fifth grade, I'm like 12 years old. I was like, this could be real. This could totally be... We could be in the Matrix. Like, this is a real thing. Uh, I don't think we are. No, we are not in the Matrix. I don't know. It's thought-provoking, though, for sure. Well, especially as a 10-year-old, I mean, it was remarkable. Like, we talked about this sometimes growing up in movies, because there's this impressionable age that you are between, I think, 10 and 14, where you're you're old enough to see movies that are, like, sort of rated R or, like, adult Mm -hmm. and enjoy them. But you're not quite old enough to have an opinion on, like, art house movies, movies that really are making an impact on the whole world. So... But in those in those years, say like ten to fourteen or ten to fifteen, you very much need cool things to talk to your friends about in, in middle school because negativity is the easiest thing to do. You just talk, yeah. talk, talk shit about things. This movie epitomizes cool. Like it was in ninety nine. It was the coolest fucking thing out there. Right. Like there was if you wanted to go to school and like talk about something that everybody thought was cool, you could yeah. you could talk about the Matrix or if you were listening to like some some song on the soundtrack. Right. You know what I mean? That was yeah. cool. Everything about the Matrix was just really, really cool. Yeah, sunglasses became popular, trench coats became popular until yes. a year or a month later, unfortunately, with Columbine. Right, which was obviously an unfortunate thing to yeah. uh, have happen. Right. But um yeah, it was just like 
this was the thing. This was the greatest thing. Right. Yeah, it was incredible. So uh, before we just start ranting about The Matrix, uh, we do action movies on the show, guys. We do action movies that adhere to four rules, aside from being made 1981 or later, which is not really a rule. It's just kind of like a general guideline. But uh, we have four rules. Rule number one is that the hero always plays by his own rules. Rule number two is that the hero and the villain are always the smartest people or beings or dinosaurs or aliens or whatever they are in the room. Uh, rule number three is that the movie is driven by a police, military, or political figure. Interesting. I think this one breaks that rule. And rule number four, there's at least one explosion. He's in no way police, military, or political. He is part of an underground... Uh, yeah, no. No, not even no. a little bit. No, not at all. And Neo, he does play by his own rules. In the Absolutely. End. In the end. And him and Smith are definitely the smartest people in the room. Yeah. Um, the machines are like the new sort of quasi-military. Yeah, and they're kind of like... They, they run the world. They're yeah. like a militia. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Sometimes we break the rules, guys. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's uh, a big deal <laughs> to me. Uh, so we are going to get into this. We are going to play the trailer right now for you guys, uh, which is which is a pretty pretty good trailer it's overall. It's a good trailer. Except for one thing. You yes. guys will see like 45 seconds into it, it's going to be talking, and it's going to be like... You wake up. You go to work. You, live you your read life. the newspaper yeah. as a slave! Exclamation point! Yeah. <laughs> it's just like pretty hilarious. Like, really? This is okay. uh, yeah. So it's Johnny. We can, oh, here we go. So it's, it's playing for you guys. Uh, so this is you know we've done recently Gladiator and The Born Identity, both mm-hmm. of which were movies that around the same time period made the same kind of impact. Right, but this was different. Like, well, even though I saw Gladiator the year after, or I yeah. guess it was probably like closer to two years, and I was like, oh my god, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. Yeah. It wasn't in this type of context. Yeah. They, I mean, they were awesome. What I was going to say is that parties. all three trailers like are not as good as today's trailers. Yeah. But this one is pretty good, except that it definitely reminds me of The Born Identity, like when it's like, right. well, he's danger in yes, as a slave. slave. Yeah. <laughs> Really bad. That is absurd. Yeah, it's really bad. It's really bad. But aside from that, it's it's like pretty sweet. Um, yeah, they show the shot of his mouth being yeah. so close, which is like pretty terrifying if you like don't know what's going on. It's- I saw the storyboards because what happened was after they did the script, they made like five hundred storyboards yeah. for the movie for like all the action scenes and like specific scenes and shots they really wanted. The storyboard looked like Two Face. Like, you oh. know, the side of Two-Face's mouth in, right. in, in The Dark Knight? Yeah. It kind of looked like that. It's super creepy. It's not quite as creepy in the movie, mm. but it definitely scared me as a kid. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot There's a lot about this movie. There's a lot about this movie that was super memorable that shouldn't have even been memorable. Like, for instance, I was thinking this morning, I was trying to think of, like, like how visual the movie is. Mm-hmm. Cypher eating that steak... I, it's one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. It's super memorable. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. The steak looks really delicious. Yeah, it's like it super rare. Yeah. yeah it's, Bloody. It's so funny that it stands it, out. Like, looks at it. Yeah. And, and then, like the way he chews. It's so weird. It's crazy how that worked. You know, my brother actually this morning was referencing, he was like, I wonder if Nolan borrowed some like the visual iconography of this movie for Dark Knight. Because it does have... Yeah. The lighting, right? Well, the mm-hmm. city, the rain, the, the dark. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is a lot funny of it. because they, a lot of people talk about how this movie stole from Dark City, which they actually use the set, the, the same set. set, to shoot the opening scene of Trinity, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No one has ever done it. Yeah, and gotta, you gotta love the strapless sunglasses. Like, yeah. How do they stay on? It's so like. <laughs> never have I like imagined, or I feel like there's like something very relevant to the fact that this movie is so obsessed with aesthetics. Even though like they're irrelevant in like yeah. in the Matrix, like why would they have to have why would he have to have like sunglasses that were just stuck on his face? Why would they have to wear trench coats? Why would right. any of this be necessary? Like why would they need to wear all black and have like because vinyl you pants? You have to look sweet, yeah. yeah, always. Like they just get to look however they want, right? Yeah, that's their image of themselves. It's funny. They're cool. 
Yeah, like the one chick wears white for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Switch. Not like this. Not like this. Not like this. Not yeah. like this. Which is interesting because the reason her name was Switch was she was originally supposed to be one character that was androgynous oh. that was a female in the real world and a male in the Matrix. Yeah. Interesting. She is very mannish for sure. She is, yeah, definitely. Super Interesting. Super hot. So uh, we are going to get into the show here, guys, with our thesis statements and our, our favorite lines and, and whatnot and all that that we that we share. There's a couple things I want to point out. The first one is that if you are watching this or listening to this on iTunes, please go and rate us on iTunes. Uh, give us ratings, reviews, et cetera, et cetera. It helps us keep high in the standings on their, on their uh, tracking for their podcasts and whatnot so more people can find out about the show. We obviously provide content for free, and we would like to continue to provide content for free, and it is easy to do if we get ratings. We're giving away Action Movie Anatomy mugs. We keep talking about this. We don't have them yet. Uh, we've given two away, in theory. There's and no mugs. <laughs> there we, is no mug. We will be announcing at the end of the show another one of our wonderful fans that uh, has gone to the iTunes and written us a really nice review that we will be giving a mug to. Uh, so the deal with that is that we have 14 reviews right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we get to 20, we'll be increasing the number of mugs we're giving away once the mugs come in, which is soon. Um, and we have six more to get to until we start increasing that number. So please go and find us and rate us and review us. Also, check out the other shows on Popcorn Talk. Action Movie Anatomy has a sister podcast called Anatomy of a Movie, which yep. is basically just the regular version of our show. Um, they, they cover whatever they want. They cover whatever movies come out on Fridays. And so that is a thing that will be happening that you should check out. Uh, and lastly, about The Matrix specifically, this is a movie that has a couple of things associated with it that are, I don't want to say controversial, but the source yeah. material. No, it's not controversial. It's just we do this show every week and we have a very specific outline that we stick to. And there's a lot of things that we can talk about about this movie that we don't need to because that's not our show right basically this is a movie that exists in in this like mythology of uh, science fiction we'll just call it that and there's a huge amount of source material that this is accused of being very derivative of and we don't really want to get into that because we don't know that much about it and there's people that know far more than us that that's just a different show and the other thing is that there is uh, one of the Wachowskis uh, formerly the Wachowski brothers there's a whole storyline with a sex change operation that happened and uh, from Larry going to Lana and that's just something else, again, that's like a whole other story that just isn't really about this movie, so we're just not going to discuss it. So if anybody's watching this and wondering why we're not, that's the reason. We're going to stick to The Matrix, the movie The Matrix, and that's what this is about. So let's get into thesis statements where each of us reveals what we believe to be our strongest opinion on the movie that should be rooted in fact. And if you guys have one that you want to share with us, leave it in the comments or tweet at us uh, while we're doing this. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter. Uh, at Andrew Guy on Twitter. And uh, Damon is a creature of the night. So uh, nowhere to be found. Yeah. Hashtag creature of the night. Hashtag creature go. of the night. Uh, yeah. So, so what do you guys? What do you have for uh, thesis statements on the Matrix? What do you think? I mean, I have two. Do you want to go first? Uh, sure, I yeah, can go. Do you want? Yeah, let's uh, go first. Jump in. A little, little hard to come up with something great, but I, I guess my thesis statement would be more that it's it's just a groundbreaking movie as far as stunt and action and and just that that was we talked about that kind of cyberpunk cool thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out two years later. And this whole idea of using wires for stunts, I don't think had really been introduced as far as mainstream action yeah. movies. In America, for yeah, sure. In America, yeah. And it, yeah. I remember walking out of it and thinking how cool it was, you know, all these flips and, and yeah. things they would do and a lot of that stuff. So, you know, I think it did, it was ahead of its time that way. That, you know, this is before all these superhero movies sure. and all this stuff became commonplace. But Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this movie was absolutely groundbreaking in many ways. Martial what? arts, bullet time... Just like the story, like yeah. the depth of that story. It's, Absolutely. Yeah, well, I think that's, that's another thing that's when we just talked about the source material. 
it's fascinating that so many people have criticized this movie of like sort of plagiarism or being derivative because in any genre, if you're trying to come up with something innovative, you you just draw inspiration from things. I mean, that's just it's a thing that happens. Right. And especially in a, in a genre like science fiction literature where there's just so much, there's so many ideas and so many people have so many cool ideas, it doesn't – it's like people always say, it doesn't matter who came up with it, it matters who wins with it. Right, or um, who uses it better. Like, yeah. I mean, Quentin Tarantino is, is famous for doing that. Yeah. If you're a horror director, you're going to watch Kubrick. If you like sci-fi, you're going to watch James Cameron. Yeah. You're going to take something from them at some point. Absolutely. It's not, there's yeah. nothing bad about that. Yeah, so I, th- I think it is interesting to, to talk about. And then the other thing was X-Men came out the following year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny to think that X-Men, the first one, gets credited all the time as being the, the original of the new generation of superhero movies. Because it's the one that introduced the you know the Marvel universe started to become popularized and they started cranking them out. Right. right Fifteen right. years later, here we are, and that's Ant-Man. the common action movie is <laughs> a superhero movie. But you can credit the Matrix, I think, almost as much. Um, just the kind of the stunts and the visuals, a lot of the stuff that they do in this movie, it's the kind of stuff that you end up seeing in superhero movies. Well, it's interesting because yeah. at this time when we watched movies, and I know that we don't really do fighting movies a lot on the show. And yeah. We you know we talk about doing the raid and. And we talk about doing Warrior, things like that. But um, prior to this, we commonly talk about like the Harrison Fords, the Nick Cages. In those movies, when they would fight, Dutch, it's just like heavy-handed punching. You punch me, I punch you. We right. punch harder, we wrestle. This was when you saw, like, no, no, no. There's sophisticated martial arts that need to be used. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's much more entertaining to watch. It's like a dance. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it is. And that's what we, exactly right. what we talked about with Born Identity. They're within a couple years of each other. Absolutely. Uh, it's the same kind of thing. That's yeah. when you started seeing your hero be like a trained fighter with their hands and feet, not just like guns and heavy punches. Sure. Yeah, extremely articulate. The, the first scene in the in the dojo when they're uh, yeah. uh, so wearing, you know, yeah. it does a little, little nose thing. Yeah, it steals that from Mr. Bruce Lee. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's awesome. I mean, that, yeah, that's a great fist pump moment. Um, All right, so I've got two. Um, I think my first one is that in hindsight, because this is definitely in hindsight, because as a kid, when the second Matrix came out, I was absolutely pumped. I was yeah. very excited. Um, very and bad. As movie. was everyone else, because yeah. it made an, a tremendous amount of money. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. For me, in hindsight, this becoming a franchise is one of the biggest missteps in film history. Yeah, it definitely tarnishes the good name. Like, I know that people talk about the first three Star Wars movies. Yeah. Uh, and then they talk about the second three Star Wars movies. Uh-huh. And that was terrible right it was horrible for the for the franchise but it felt like you could come back from it whereas with the matrix you're not going to remake the whole franchise you're not going to make three more matrix movies no you may Mm. make another matrix someday i hope they don't yeah but i really wish that this was just a solo movie and it would have been what it would have went down as probably the greatest sci-fi action movie carrie Ann moss talked a little bit about a matrix reboot earlier this year in an interview actually really yeah a little bit she i mean she was she wasn't like a completely posted in the interview so that's kind of that kind of goes into my second thesis which is that despite the massive success of this franchise monetarily and especially the first movie this did not help any of the actors' careers other than Hugo Weaving. Yeah. And he even ended up in sort of a niche career. He ended up with sort of like a like a sci-fi, like character yeah, yeah, his voice, right? Is, is almost his voice. Like, yeah, I mean, the got, thing he's known for. Yeah. You got Megatron, you got... I can't remember his name. V, v for Vendetta. Rings. Yeah, V for Vendetta. Yeah. Elrond. And, Elrond, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- those are my two. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I um, I went with one a little more a little more rooted in the in the casting, and it was when we started talking about recast. And I was thinking about the Matrix and what about it sort of 
because we were you know we were explaining I was explaining to someone that just what about this movie was so impactful and then looking back on it like why how it feels to me when I think about it and Keanu Reeves and his his voice the sound of his voice the delivery of his lines it's like as responsible for how this movie feels as any other part of it and it's not I don't want to say it's not good because it is good it's it's It's, perfect but it's yeah it's like bad but it's great in a a lot of ways you know what I mean so bad it's good he's like a bad he's like a bad actor but he's always been kind of a bad actor you saying I can dodge bullets yeah yeah but it's perfect and I think so I think he's the most perfectly cast action hero of all time the only person that I can think of that would really rival him would be like Arnold in in T2 yeah exactly and that's basically but like again like that's not even really fair because he has so few lines right but then also I because I, I, I've always thought that this, like, Keanu being cast as Neo in the Matrix is one of the greatest casts of all time. All time. Arnold in T2, Mark Wahlberg in Boogie Nights. Like, these are people yeah. that are placed in the perfect position to just kind of be themselves. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah, and Wahlberg. And this is probably the greatest action one that's been done. Yeah, Wahlberg is Dirk Diggler. Classic. It's great. <laughs> that is a good one. We've discussed uh, doing Boogie Nights on this show. Yeah, we, we were just like, want to. We were like, if we can get seven of you to justify it as an action movie, we'll do it. Like, explosion? <laughs> no, no explosion? There's, no, there's nothing. There's no action. Not even remotely an action movie. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what I got. Uh, do you guys want to share your fist pump moments really quickly before we get into star breakdowns? Fist pump moments for everybody that's watching uh, that is not aware of what a fist pump moment is. We define it as that moment where you're sitting and you're, you're watching the movie perhaps you're on your couch maybe you've had a drink I don't know it's late at night something awesome happens whether it's like the score or a one liner or a big punch or an explosion anything it literally can be anything it can be a look from a mother to her daughter in the movie I don't know if that gets it for you <laughs> how uh, are you watching when you're drinking uh, at night but something <laughs> awesome happens and you just like look around and you're like are you seeing this yeah. is anybody else seeing this right now like, so this awesome. is so good I get to watch the rest of this movie right now that's a fist bump moment for us uh, there are so many it's a lot of in them. this movie yeah, I, think I, can, I, I can think of four off the top of my head right now. Well, give us one right now. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to give you three. Okay. I'm going to give you two. Okay. okay. Maybe I'll give you six. Uh, the first <laughs> one is um, it's when they go to the they're in the dojo. Yeah. And Mouse runs around. It's like, Morpheus is fighting Neo. Yeah, Morpheus yeah, yeah, yeah. Neo. And whenever like, the music is you know, that's so sweet. I think it's like a song by the, it's like Prodigy playing. Yeah, it sounds like Prodigy or right? something like that. Firestarter or something. Like one of those, like one of those, like, uh, it's probably Prodigy, yeah. We called, back then we called it techno. Like now it's like EDM. It's like, yeah. It's just like that's what it would be called. Great music, man. Yeah, back then it was like, you know, I, I don't even think it was called house yet. No, it was techno. It was techno. Yeah. yeah. That's what we all called it. Yeah, I love techno. Yeah, techno. Paul, <laughs> Paul Oakenfield and, and, and Paul Van Dyke. Or Steve Oakenfield. I can't Did you remember. say Paul Van Dyke? I don't know. I'm yeah. just... Uh, move, move right along. Let's move right along. Past that. There's a time I knew. <laughs> a little gap in knowledge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, and then the other one is the... It's the end of Agent Smith's speech to Morpheus. He's like... I'm just before the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need the codes. And then you hear the... Like that, that metallic banging or clinking. Yeah. And then it cuts to the lobby scene. Yeah. And they walk in and they're just... You know they have like an arsenal with them. Yeah. And he's like, I need you to remove your pockets. I need you to get Holy shit! And then yeah. back up. We need yeah. back up. That's sad. The guy with the accent. Yeah. That's probably that may be my fist pump moment. Yeah. Just when that. He, just the lobby scene. When, when he walks through the metal detector and it goes off. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so iconic. It's crazy too. Awesome. We, we we mentioned and we don't want to harp on this obviously because it's very uh, like melancholy. But there was when when Columbine happened. It was about a month after it was this literally movie a month after out. it came out, and there was a lot of reference to something called the Trenchcoat Mafia in mm-hmm. like the newspaper at the time, which was, I think, and I don't know enough about it to really speak on the subject, but it was essentially like a sort of an online or like underground like sort of subculture. But I think more was made of it than needed to be because yeah. of this movie. I think it was just people that were very evil and 
yeah, did something absolutely. horrible. Uh, but it is interesting when you think about when this movie came out and just sort of that scene in particular is so iconic yeah. as a gun scene in a movie. It's probably right. the greatest gun battle scene ever. Like it, it it's just, great. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the, it's the single scene in the movie uh, that comes to mind. Like, and then we can. We'll, I mean, we'll talk about it when we get to ultimate action scenes, but that's yeah. that's later. But it's definitely the single scene in the movie that is is like as a kid when I came out of the theater. That was the thing I remember. That, yeah, oh, you're like he did a cartwheel, picked up a shotgun, and yeah. shot a guy like bouncing yeah, on was, one hand. It looks so cool. Great. It still looks great. It looks amazing. Yeah, and it's because it was them doing it on wires. Yeah, over and over and over. It took them like ten days to shoot that scene, or ten weeks. I can't remember. It was incredibly yeah. long. Yeah, I think yeah, uh, right. he kind of hurt himself uh, filming well, it. Well, he hurt himself filming, but he also started filming. Uh, he'd started to get paralysis in his legs due to like a pinch something wrong. It was, with a, it was a yeah, it was a fusion, it yeah, was a spine fusion, fusion spine. surgery that he had for his vertebrae, I think. And he he uh, was was healing, but he wanted to start training early, and he went a little too hard, and he hurt himself in that scene. Yeah, uh, so they had to come back and finish it later. Yeah, they had to come back and do the dojo scene again too because he couldn't do the. Because the biggest thing with him was that he couldn't do kicks. Because, yeah. like I said, he was paralysis in the legs. Yeah. And so, like, the triple kick in the dojo scene, yeah. they had to come back to that, like, a couple weeks later, and he did it perfectly. Yeah, he doesn't kick that much in the movie for that reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, is that you guys both get a fist bump in there? Uh, yeah, well, that was that was my... But the other one would be when they're, you know, on the ship, and they're, like, you're going to pull the plug on Morpheus. Uh, right. And he's yeah. like, no, I'm going in. Going that's in. totally that, mine. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. That's epic. I mean, any, any part of that whole scene where... Yeah, because I like I, I, I like when he says that, and then I also like at the end of it when he tells Trinity that she can't go in, and yeah. she as the ranking officer on this ship, yeah. uh, you can get to hell with it, or yeah, yeah. that's because you can go to hell because you're not going anywhere else. That's probably my fist pump moment. Gets you real real fired up. Yeah, well, because like for me, you know, the often the moments for me that are the biggest fist pump moments are those like those dramatic speeches and those like deliveries. It's like kind of in in Return of the Jedi, I always say like the scene that always comes to mind for me is when he throws down the lightsaber and he's like, no, I want to be a Jedi like my father. That part, that always gives me goosebumps. I just got chills. Yeah. I remember saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just... So it's the same kind of thing for me. Anyway, if any of you guys have uh, anything that's even remotely as nerdy as what we just did <laughs> talking about our Star Wars thing. Then we should hang out. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to tweet at us or share us comments, please do. Uh, we would love to know what you guys think. So uh, let's get into star profiles, guys. We, we, we have some interesting ones here. Yeah. Keanu Reeves, first thing I notice, he has made so many bad movies. Oh, it's an incredible amount. Of crap. Except yeah. for the day the Earth stood still. Yeah. <laughs> Appalling. So, like, okay, we, we go here, Speed, 1994, clouds. right? Yeah. Chain Reaction, 1996. Feeling Minnesota, 1996. Mm. Devil's Advocate, 97. Which actually, I'm a personal Devil's Advocate? fan of Devil's Advocate. I actually yeah. like Devil's Advocate. He's, he's, he's super certainly weird. Made, he's certainly made some good movies. I, I'm not yeah. going to say he's made all bad movies, but also, like, hidden in here, I believe, was also Johnny Mnemonic, Falling yeah, Speed. Yeah, there was another, like, Feeling Minnesota. Oh, you said yeah. that. A Walk in the, the Clouds. Stuff they tried to, mm-hmm. I think it's 95. And then I believe we also have, uh, like, The Day I Committed Suicide or something like that. Yeah. Something like and a movie I've never seen heard of. So there's like seven movies in the middle here. So if you look at Keanu's career, I think the most interesting thing we can we can pull is that this is like the middle point because a lot of America like was reintroduced to Keanu Reeves as a huge star when this movie came out, like an action star. 1999, not just because in the mid 80s he he had done River's Edge, which was very popular and and I mean not didn't make a lot of money, but it was a critical success. Yeah. And then you had in the mid '80s, uh, he was kind of popping up in movies here and there, like Youngblood with Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze, which I'm a fan of. Um, 
Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yep. That one really right. was that was a big commercial hit, huge one. A couple yeah, sequels, that was his big so, thing, or so at least the, a sequel. Yeah, and Excellent Adventure, Bogus, Bogus Journey. Journey. Yeah, yeah. So what's really interesting is Point Break in '91, which is my all-time favorite movie. That's his first major, major action role. Where he Johnny Utah, he beefs yeah. up, he puts on some muscle, he runs around with a gun, he's a cop, all that, you know. And so following that. He kind of did something similar where I, I don't have it in front of me here, but I know he made the sequel, Bogus Journey, mm-hmm. and I believe he made like one or two other sort of like, uh, you know, like Much Ado About Nothing might have been in there, might have been a little mm-hmm. later. Yeah, yeah. But it seems that he, what he's done is he makes a big action hit and then he just kind of fades into obscurity making crappy rom coms and like yep. really unsuccessful sci fi flicks. Yeah. It's the story of his whole career. It's all he does. The most successful thing that he's done recently is John Wick. Which they're starting to do principal photography. On the second one. Soon. Yeah. Because everybody loves John Wick. Because it's people. awesome. I didn't like it that much. You didn't well, like it? We, we don't need to get into that. Most people. So I think that's really funny if you look at all these movies. I mean, I, a lot of the stuff in the mid-90s I haven't seen. Uh, we forgot to mention a little Buddha pops up in there somewhere. I think Good that's grief. like maybe... Did we forget to or did we just want to do that? Yeah. It's like consciously. 95 maybe or something like that. Um... Yeah, his yeah. You look at this; it's it's a lot. But I think he probably he got pretty so well, well compensated for a lot of these bad movies. Oh, absolutely! Just taking safe choice after safe choice. Like I'm he sure. made a lot of money off the replacements. I'm pretty sure, which was like a year after this movie. <laughs> oh, the yeah. replacements. There's all these movies like Hardball. It's another one. Yep. Sweet uh, November. Got into some sports for sure. Yeah, Sweet November, The Watcher. Something's got to give. It's just uh, yeah. something's got to give. Was actually that's it's a good movie. That's a big one that a lot of people saw. It was very Doctor. popular that he mm-hmm. showed back up in. Yeah, but, yeah. So I think that's pretty funny with Keanu. We have The Lake House, which is mine and Ben's favorite movie. Wow. Very yeah. good film. Ooh, Very good. Solid. We often reenact scenes from it. Did, uh, did, our, did our man uh, Bruce All I Do Is Win Berman produce that one? <laughs> Probably. I think he maybe did. I think it's one of his, one of his few misses. Um, so uh, anyway, as far as Keanu Reeves goes, I, I do think it's fine. I listened to him on the, the Chris Hardwick podcast earlier this year, last year maybe, for who's promoting John Wick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was definitely struck by how like sort of like level-headed he sounds, how sort of down-to-earth he is. Oh, he's super cool in interviews. Seems like he'd be a very cool dude to, to, to meet and talk to. Yeah, I watched a 30-minute behind-the-scenes or making-of today. Yeah. Was, he's just a cool guy. Like, he's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is Neo. Yeah. Like, when he talks about it, he's like, and uh, working with Larry and Andy is just... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, like, these guys are really cool guys. They yeah. like basketball. I'm just like, oh, God, <laughs> I really talk like this. <laughs> we, we, uh, Andrew and I recently kind of started to pitch this idea of kind of a action movie characters sort of up against each other type of show. And one of the questions in the thing we shot, which was Brian Mills from Taken versus John Wick, uh-huh. was um, who would be better at picking up a woman at a bar? And we each sort of had to do our argument for 30 <laughs> seconds. And like Andrew, like we had like a sweet one with, with Liam Neeson. I used his speech. Yeah. He's like, like to pick up a girl. I don't know how this date's going to end. But like <laughs> something like that, which is great. But uh, as John Wick, I was like, what can I say is John Wick? And it's, you know, uh, I'm I'm sorry to bother you, but you remind me of someone. Oh, who's that? Uh, my dead wife. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's That's all just, I have to say. It's just like so weird and quiet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love Keanu Reeves. He's he's and it, the fact that you know it's the Keanu energy is what makes the Matrix the Matrix. Yeah, and it's it's like that young excited child. Would we argue that this is his his uh, his greatest role? It's funny because that was another one that might have been my thesis there. statement was to say that this is for the leads in this movie. Yeah. It was the best movie all of them have been a part of. But I Fish couldn't burn. do it because I'm such a big Lord of the Rings fan, and I do love Memento. Yeah. Um, yeah me too. And Fishburne, a lot of people. I mean, Boys in the Hood for a lot of people is yeah. super, super, super iconic. So that's why I didn't say it, because yeah. I don't think it's true, but this is 
definitely Keanu's best movie. If we were going to do yeah, just, a, just, a, just a speed round, if we could all agree on like the speed round top five Keanu, you obviously a Point Break, Speed, Matrix 1. Lake House. And then you throw <laughs> <laughs> Point Break, Speed, Matrix 1, uh, Bill and Ted probably. Yeah, first Bill, one. Bill and Ted. Super, super classic. Big time, solid. And John Wick. Yeah, I mean, maybe like, I like Devil's Advocate. I mean, Pacino's a, great. Yeah, Pacino is great. I, I definitely prefer a too long, but John Wick to Devil's Advocate. But uh, River's Edge is very good. My Own Private Idaho is very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did some stuff when he was younger that yeah. was a little more like yeah. dramatic, real actor. Before yeah. he just started, yeah, like the list. <coughs> Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, I think The Matrix for me it, it would be up against Point Break. And speed as the actual; those are like the three movies that come those to mind. Those are the for top me. three, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I believe so. I think as much as Point Break is my favorite movie of all time, um, this is his greatest role because because Jack Traven is recastable easily. I mean, anybody could play Absolutely. Jack Traven from Speed, and I believe you could recast Johnny Utah. Though I think they did a poor job of it with the remake. Mm, I don't know. That's that's pretty iconic, Johnny Utah. Johnny Utah. No one's no one else is going to deliver those lines. <laughs> Utah. Jeez. Get me too. Uh, oh, you would have loved the Lethal Weapon episode. We just talked about Busey the whole time. Uh, yeah, it was. I was like, I was like totally like anybody who watched this like knows how many times I said, Officer Murtaugh, don't be foolish. Look at the hardware. Just like it's just like so toothy. So good. He gets out. He gets out of the car and he gets us a repeat. Anybody who's watched this, you've already heard me just harp on this. But he gets out of the limo in the middle of the desert with like the sweet, the sweet aviators, huge teeth, all like white, a deep, deep white V-neck sweater with Wait, like what's... a maroon huge collar and, and like basically hammer pants, like blowing in the wind. Are his teeth whiter or is his shirt whiter? I don't yeah. even know. I, Probably the teeth. We were literally watching, and it's a tense scene because Danny Glover has the grenade in his hand, and he. Gets Gets out of the car and I just burst out laughing yeah, before he even was, said anything. It was incredible. <laughs> we have the higher ground. Riggs is gone. Anyway, so let's get into Loris Fishburne. Um, this is really interesting. Do you want to go? Please go ahead. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I feel like for Fishburne, he was kind of at the peak of his career right here. Yeah, but what a weird career. Like, yeah, it's so it's funny that like it's Matrix. Like Matrix. Like uh, Morpheus is his most iconic role by Definitely. by a mile. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. like, Event Horizon is a very, like, it's a cult classic horror movie. And, mm-hmm. like, Othello, which I've never seen. I have seen yeah. Hoodlum. It's fine. It's not, it's like... Weird. That movie scared the crap out of me when I was a kid, because there's, like, a scene, Hoodlum. I think, where they, like, cut off a guy's balls, and they, like, oh. present them on a table. And I, as a kid, I was just like, I... That's horrifying. I can't do this. Do I you can't. see them? Uh, yeah, you see them. Don't remember that. <laughs> I see. Has he been the lead in, really, in anything? Fishburne? He's, he... I mean, Hoodlum, never... he was the lead in. Yeah. But, um, like, the, the lead, like, the... Not you know, like the, a leading the main man. actor because he he doesn't really he no. doesn't, go front and center a lot. He's, so it's hard to say if this was. I mean, if this was the top of his career as a sort of a supporter or bankable. Yeah, I mean, because what did he follow up? What did he follow Matrix with? Really, I like Mystic even, River. Yeah, just bit parts though. Yeah, like, well, I mean, not even later. anywhere. I mean, literally, if you go through and you look, it's like Mystic River, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, Kiss yeah. Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, yeah. She's a voice. Three. Yeah, none of them. He's. he's I don't remember his role even in Kiss Kiss. I think he's the narrator. I mean, in any of those, like I can hardly remember what he is. Yeah, he's much more of a character actor. Forgettable. Yeah, he's one of those guys where, like this. I mean, it should be evidenced how iconic of a role this is when, in a huge miss, by the way, a year or two ago in the Super Bowl, somebody did a. Somebody did a commercial with him reprising his role as Morpheus. They did car commercial for Hyundai. I want to say. Can't remember. Yeah, I think it was Hyundai. Hyundai. Yeah, and he like shows up like dressed as Morpheus. Clearly, like a oh, solid yeah. twelve to fifteen so... pounds heavier. Like just like kind of like squeezing into the jacket, but you know, looking. I mean, this is thirteen years later, and it's not exactly like when he when he was Morpheus the first time. He was right. like twenty years old. So that's not true. But the fact that they made. 
that commercial so many years later should speak volumes about how memorable the character it was. Right. Because yeah. anyone that yeah, everyone knew who he was. He's not going to reprise the father in Boys in the Hood. In no, this is this is the pinnacle. I would agree. Yeah, yeah this he, is it's all downhill from. from it really things. is all downhill, unfortunately, because he's he's great. He does a very good job. But again, yeah. I don't think I would be interested in watching a movie like you said where he's the lead character in it. Do you think yeah. the fact that do, so? So, Let me interrupt you guys real quick. It does look like he did win Best Actor in a Leading Role for What's Love Got to Do With It. In what, what year? Really? 1994. Wow. You, you won an Academy Award? Uh, best Actor in a Leading Role. He was nominated. Oh, okay. Was it, Fishburne was. Was wow. he in And the Band Played On? Is that him as well? Is it like 90? Uh, HBO miniseries? One, I don't know. 91 or something like that? Take a look. Wow. He was nominated for Best Actor. Wow. All right. Sorry, I mean, Lawrence. Well, no, it's not that he's a bad actor. No, no. That's, that's yeah. not, a, that's not a, what we're saying at That all. doesn't even really surprise me that he would get the nomination. It almost is like more of the reason that he would probably end up in The Matrix is because he's got the pedigree to be in a movie this yeah, big. He's a, he's a good actor, he's no got doubt. chops, for sure. But in terms of like me- memorable or iconic, uh, that's sort of what we're getting at. And uh, but anyway, we, we we digress. So let's kind of get into the the production on this movie. Some of the people involved. So you had formerly when they made this movie, they were the Wachowski brothers. Yes, um, right. It was it was Andy and Lawrence, who is now known as Lana. Um, they basically assassins the the old Stallone mm-hmm. movie uh, right. with Antonio Banderas. They pitched the script. They got a three-picture deal. This was the third movie, their second film, Bound. Have you ever seen The Bound? I've seen Bound. I haven't seen Bound, but that's pretty pretty interesting, actually. That's what people say, yeah. That was the one that, when they did Bound, Fox was finally like, okay, fine, we'll give you the money, or we'll we'll, we'll greenlight you guys as directors for this movie. Yeah, and because, because Bound was good, and they directed it, right? Yes. Yeah, so they pushed to be able to direct The Matrix, and they, they were able to. So The Matrix... And this is where we'll kind of jump in just a little, because they because they both wrote and directed the Matrix, right? Uh, and this is aside from Bound, obviously this is this is the jumping off point for their career, and their career has been very weird since then. Yeah, it hasn't been very yeah. successful at all. This no. is the greatest thing that they did. V for, v for Vendetta for me is probably the next best thing yeah. that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's a bummer because, like I said, this is one of this script is one of the greatest things that I've seen, and it. it when I was a kid, this yeah. was the most mind-blowing movie I'd ever seen. Well, we talked about this morning. From a science fiction point of view, it's obviously got a lot of very interesting concepts. Enough that yeah. as kids and as young people who weren't familiar with this, this whole <clears throat> cyberpunk and, like, cyber Buddhism, whatever, like, whatever you want to call it, because I'm not familiar enough with, like, all the source material to even really give it a correct name. Right. But we weren't familiar with that, so this movie was totally mind-blowing. I mean, this movie... It, everything from as simple as like you know Plato and like just being in the cave and what is real right. to you know its references to religion to sort of like you're being reborn and you yeah. are the one and Christianity like it plays on so it, many different things so many things like yeah. Descartes you got the Odyssey you have Alice yeah. in Wonderland it, it's Dark City 2001 Space Odyssey yeah. this, go, this list goes on for like 10 minutes it, yeah so there's a lot of a lot of source materials weaved in you see in, in the beginning when he opens the book uh, and it's and it's got like the discs inside. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's like what is that like the solemn and the it's called simulacra simulacrum. Yeah, yeah, simulacra and simulation. What? And uh, they were all required to read that. Yeah, for and them. Desert of the Real is another one that I think is on his shelf or shows up somewhere. That's another one that is Morpheus uses it to describe the the desert. Yeah. Welcome to the Desert of the Real. Is what he mm-hmm. says, right? Yeah. So that stuff is all pretty interesting. So it's cool that like they they just like sort of found their moment. Um, and especially if you think about 1999. 
there had been a, a big push in Western culture to familiarize ourselves with, with anime and with manga in that time. Right. Um, you know, <clears throat> Princess Mononoke was huge, and Akira had been Akira, big. Ghost in a Shell. Away. Ghost in a Shell, and that's, you know, Ghost in a Shell is one of the big ones. Uh, apparently, when they spoke to Joel Silver, who was one of the producers on the film, they showed him Ghost in a Shell, and they basically said, we want to do that, but real. But, yeah, you know, but for real. We yeah. want to make this cartoon, but actually... So, and it's funny, too, because I remember... You know, I remember reading the comic book, the manga of Ghost in the Shell, I believe. Yeah, I definitely watched the anime, but I feel like there was a comic book, too. I think it's both. Yeah, I never saw it. I know it was anyone who liked that genre, it was, it was probably the pinnacle of... Yeah. I mean, it's one of the greatest sort of manga. Yeah, said. it was a long time ago, obviously. Yeah. I mean, this movie came out 15, 16 years ago, <laughs> so I must have read this 18 years ago if I read it. But in any case, I do recall at the time it was super, super innovative... It feels like so much has happened since this movie came out. This genre in general is almost like diluted now. You don't really, it doesn't get discussed in the same way with the same sort of groundbreaking, like. Yeah, I mean, people are incredibly familiar, familiarized with the it. The space now. has been explored. Now. Absolutely. Yeah, we're not as fascinated by the idea of like alternate reality anymore. Mm-hmm. But I did think about something generation to generation going all the way back to the 60s. Every, every like seven to 10 years, there's been a film. That dis- that really discusses the relationship between like mankind, uh, artificial intelligence, and then their roles within like sort of alternate reality or displacement of time. Something that isn't necessarily exactly happening as you pr- as you perceive it, mm-hmm. you know. And so if you look all the way back to two thousand one Space Odyssey, which is late in the late sixties, right. right? That's you you have artificial intelligence. You're out in space, so it's very much not grounded in reality. It's sort of you can't. It's it's like something weird is happening. You kind of move forward to just the beginning of the eighties, and you have Blade Runner. You know, Blade Runner is another one of these ones. It's do androids live dream of electricity? It's Philip K. Dick. You know, that's people reference that source material with this movie all the time. You go a little like further into the eighties, you get the Terminator Two in nineteen ninety one, groundbreaking film, artificial intelligence, time travel. We're dealing with a reality that doesn't necessarily have to exist. Mm -hmm. Jump forward to the Matrix nineteen ninety nine. You look at Inception in two thousand six. These are all movies that deal with the same kind of thing, same themes. and they're always they're always popular and, and they're always fascinating for people to discuss and sort of in talking points. You know, it makes you think: Are we going to see another one soon? Or I, I suppose Ex Machina maybe just came out. That maybe would be the closest thing. People were pretty into that movie. I, I shouldn't actually get to see it yet. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, in any case, so talking about just the Wachowski brothers and or the Wachowskis as they are now. Their career ended up, uh, after this film, they did a couple more Matrix movies. They ended up doing V for Vendetta, Speed Racer, Jupiter Ascending, Cloud Atlas. Mm-hmm. Mostly flops. Yeah. I yeah, haven't seen a lot of those. Yeah, I mean, Speed Racer is considered, like, the worst movie of all time. Yeah. So, or one of them. Yeah, they have a fascination, clearly, with, you know, comic books and, and science fiction. Right. Um, it's very cool that they are able to... They were able to find so much financial success early on. They have the freedom to do what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, concept movies and oh, absolutely. Make I mean, them that, happen. Well, and, and despite their lack of success in the later part of their career, they still did things that I would never. Despite all the bad movies, the good ones that yeah. they did make, I would never change that for anything. Well, and I give anybody who does a movie like Jupiter Ascending or Cloud Atlas a ton of credit because it's it's very innovative, and you're yeah. trying to do something interesting. You're mm-hmm. trying to come up with an original concept or think outside the box. You're trying to challenge us visually and make us think. 
which is far... I mean, don't get me wrong, I love John Wick to death, but I mean, it's more interesting than a movie where the expectation is exactly what you get, even if it's executed as well as John Wick was, which is, right. as my brother said this morning when complaining, it's basically you're just getting to play a video game except you're watching it happen. Yeah, uh, that's all it really is. Which is cool yeah. and awesome, and I love that movie. We'll do it on the show. Like I think it's a huge success for that reason, but it's never going to be satisfying in the same way that if Cloud Atlas was to work. Yeah, maybe you think it does work. Then yeah. never you know, saw it. Then yell at us. How long yeah. is Cloud Atlas? Long, four, five hours? No, really? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's, I think it's pretty long. Though. At least three plus. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in any case, someone else just said that they really love Cloud Atlas. So yeah, I, it's Cloud Atlas. I mean, I know it. Somebody, I think you love it or hate it. Maybe one of those. And probably. I wouldn't be surprised if Jupiter Ascending has its has its proponents as well because anything anything when you're dealing with interesting concepts and cool visuals, you will always 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 be people that love it. You know what right. I mean? Just because you're giving us something interesting. Yeah. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the producers and uh, people involved. So as we mentioned, Bruce Berman. Um, boy. Kind of our favorite. He's kind of a guy. We, we, we happened upon Berman, I think, when we were originally looking up Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. And realized that his filmography is just absurd. I mean, like, there's the 76 credits. Yeah. Some of the ones just on the list here. American Sniper, Mystic River, Ocean's Eleven, The Matrix, Training Day. Um, he's been involved in a huge amount of very financially successful and quality movies for the yeah. most part. Uh, he is number two all time as an executive producer on earnings with thirteen billion five hundred thirty nine million seven hundred sixty six thousand and three hundred forty four dollars. That's it. What? Wow. That's it. Thirteen billion. Thirteen billion. <laughs> yeah. This one guy. That's it. That's all. Good work. I don't yeah. want to talk about this loser anymore. Yeah, he's the CEO of Village Roadshow Pictures, and we have a sweet picture of him we can show yeah. too, because I think he's just there he an is. absolute. Oh, there he is. He's just an absolute boss. The glasses fit his head perfectly. <laughs> I, I, I like it. I like that we can pick Bruce Berman out of a lineup now. Oh, enough, totally. Enough to the point that if we're ever at like a festival or something like that, and like most people are going to be like, oh my God, it's Johnny Depp. He's like, oh we're, my God, it's Bruce Berman. Like, Andrew, it's the Berm. <laughs> yeah, Bruce! Let's give him a huge hug. No, nope. like, security! <laughs> Side note is a little similarity to Chris Berman. Any any uh? No, we talked about how sweet yeah, it would be if they were brothers. Yeah. Actually, they, they almost could be though. Chris Berman could be his older brother, maybe younger. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I heard a great story about Chris Berman the other day. Um, I don't know if any of you guys play fantasy football or like sports. We all three of us are huge, huge fans. Um, there's a fantasy football league at ESPN. They call the War Room League, and it's 16 of them. 16 teams is a huge, huge league size. It's very competitive, and apparently they have a viewing room. Where they all go to, they all go to watch the games, and it's assigned seating because there's so many of them. And Berman has the he Berman has the front and center seat. Uh, he's 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 placed right in front. The and like yeah, all, you know, like Matthew Barry's kind of off the side. Field Yates, who's like the sort of like new support on the fan, he's off in the corner. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Like the idea of Berman sort of being the the grand yeah. chancellor. He's earned it, man. He's been around. Schefter kind of up front as well. Um, Joel Silver. This is the third week in a row. I think we're doing a Silver movie. Yeah, we've talked about him quite a bit. Wow. Probably yeah. don't need to talk about him much at all. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, obviously we want to treat this as if it's a new new listener, new viewer right, every right. time. So anybody who's unfamiliar with Joel Silver, he is a linchpin of '80s action, alongside sort of Jerry Bruckheimer as the, the two godfathers of '80s '90s action films. Mm-hmm. Um, Silver's major involvement, in, you know, movies like Top Gun, Die Hard, the Lethal Weapon franchise. He's one of the reviews I think we're going to reference later references the the silver touch, which is hundreds and hundreds of bullets. Um, <laughs> he's just a big action oh, yeah. guy. I mean, yeah, and, and he's he's good at what he does, and he he picks good movies for the most part. For the most part, the last ten years have been a little tougher than they were. I mean, eighties mm-hmm. and nineties, eighties and nineties were his biggest uh, breakouts in terms of like sort of name brand value, yeah. his brand. 
his later movies actually have made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But uh, in any case, he he was involved. You know, he was he was a big supporter of the Wachowskis and and what they were doing, which was so cool because the Wachowskis, when you watch them direct on set and like the behind the scenes, and the yeah. making of, uh, I think it was Carrie Ann Moss might have been. That talked about it. She was like, usually you, you watch a director. He's trying to figure out a problem. He's trying to process it in his mind. He's, he's kind of talking to himself. These two guys kind of operated as one, like yeah. one person or two people with one mind. And like they would go through and they would do like one of them would be operating the camera just yeah. with his hands. The other guy would be like rolling around and shooting and like yeah. It was just like two brothers hanging out making a movie, right? Which when you see on set is so awesome and it makes it it yeah. makes everyone I think more comfortable. Yeah, and, and it makes them kind of like it's endearing. Yeah, it's very endearing as actors. I thought it was really interesting. And, and again, we did mention that we're not going to kind of go down the road with the whole story, but uh, it was the the second of the Wachowskis, Lawrence, who became Lana later after a sex change. Um, that happened, I think, in 07. Yeah. Right? So this movie came out in 99, and it's actually it's actually quite clear, if you if you are watching any of the behind the scenes, that, like, I mean, you know, it's like, um, I don't want to say it's quite clear. Like, I don't want to say he looks more feminine, but I think he does look a bit more feminine, uh, the, uh, Lana or Lawrence at the time. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that you mentioned Switch originally was supposed to be sort of an androgynous character. Uh, and I didn't know that. Yeah. But it, it does sort of make sense that if this is someone who had been maybe struggling with this or, or knew this was something that was happening inside them and was moving towards that, that that would be a character. And it's interesting they didn't yeah. decide to make her a bit more, she's clearly very female. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I so, do understand your point. Yeah. I think it'd be kind of cool for that to have been in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but, you know, there's sign of the times I guess maybe you know we've come much 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 further as a, as a culture it's also interesting to think that in 99 when this was made it took 8 more years before he was comfortable making that decision and then you look what just happened with Caitlyn Jenner and that's like the biggest deal in the world it's so heralded so discussed you know like so it's so, so everywhere everybody's talking about that it's such a courageous thing to do so mm-hmm. it's cool to see that now that's where we're at yeah, um, and it was it was interesting because they uh, they weren't private about it for like it wasn't on purpose. It was just they're very private people. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, we got to we got to move on here to box office. It looks like. Yeah, we can talk. We can talk sort of critical in box office for a second because we do want to make sure we have time to get to uh, our recasts and our and our uh, you know ranking and all that. So mm-hmm. we'll, maybe we'll kind of speed through this a little bit. <clears throat> sure. Any of you that are fans of the Matrix know these movies made a tremendous amount of money. The most interesting thing here is that the budget for the first one was only sixty three million dollars. Right. In contrast, as we always talk about. Terminator 2 was made for $100 million in 1991. Yeah. Uh, and when you think about the sort of vastness of the sets, they're not that different. No. Um, so well, Yeah, because they were originally given $10 million right. and for the movie. They're like, that's all you're going to get. So they went and they took that $10 million and they shot the opening scene with Trinity. And they spent all $10 million on it. And then they're like, look at what we can do if you give us money. Yeah. They showed it to them. They're like, all right, fine. You get your budget. Right. And really glad they did. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it was a big opening, $27.7 million, number one movie, ended up making a total of $463 million worldwide. Um, that's gigantic, obviously. It's incredibly successful. Especially mm-hmm. when you consider this is 16 years ago. You're making almost $500 million. Yeah. Very relevant. Uh, the further sequels, as we have the box office graphic, we're going to throw up on the screen here for you guys right now. Um, this is Keanu Reeves' all-time box office numbers. Uh, 11 through 20 were, were all pretty bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just decided to not go there. Yeah, so we just sort of went with the top 10. But you can see Reloaded, the sequel, mm-hmm. uh, massive domestically made Naturally. $391 million. Yes. So that's just crazy. I, I, I'm sure the worldwide number is much larger. <laughs> but you know, even even adjusted, this movie making $283 million this is worldwide. 
Yeah, and that's funny, right? Matrix, Speed, Point Break doesn't even make the list. Uh, but that's because Speed... Well, I guess, yeah, Point Break was earlier. Hmm. Speed Mitch just made a ton of money, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, and then Revolution. So, I mean, three of Keanu's top five movies of all time are Matrix movies. And it's funny, the drop, the massive drop-off. After yeah. us? Um, yeah, it's two hundred. It's a $200 million drop-off from two to three. Yeah. Which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, people were pretty burnt out. I mean, I remember seeing the second one at midnight yeah. and falling asleep. Everybody wanted answers after the first one. Yeah. It's, right. You know, it's very confusing and open to interpretation, yeah. and then they made the Reloaded that didn't answer anything and was just... You know, yeah, not very good. Confusion. And then by the third one, it was just like this is just gibberish. Kind of like I, I can't even remember. Yeah, I don't remember. That. I was just like I just happens. watched this because I respect the series or the franchise. Well, by two thousand three, as we mentioned, now at that point, you've got X Men sequels coming out. You've got Spider Man coming out. Right. You've got actual superhero movies, and the third Matrix film is basically a <clears throat> superhero movie. He's flying around like Superman yeah. and fighting a hundred agents. Yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, the, I think people were kind of over it, which is amazing. People are fickle. But anyway, we can talk about Critical. It is interesting that I, on IMDb, um, I mean, 8.7, I guess that's not really surprising. I don't think this is the 18th greatest film of all time. It's number 18 <laughs> out of 250. I don't know, Four Falls, yeah. Think about what it did. Groundbreaking. Think about what it did for film when it I came out. I think The Matrix is an incredible movie, and I totally agree that it deserves in the top 250, even in the top 100. I would make that argument. Even in the top 10. 18 is really, really high. That's subjective, you know. That gives this movie a lot. But anyway, we don't need to, we've argued that 100 times. Rotten Tomatoes, the all, the all rating is 87%. The top critics rating... Is sixty seven percent? That's pretty surprising to me. Yeah, very surprising. Critically, right? yeah. I feel like this movie was a little more respected than that. And then the audience rating is eighty five percent. Again, usually movies like this that are so beloved, you'd expect this to be like ninety six. I would something. expect it to have like a ninety two or ninety three by the audience, and like in yeah. the high eighties by the by the top critics. Yeah, so um, definitely find that to be pretty surprising. But uh, yeah, no, like very 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 surprising, and it, it won four Oscars. You know, obviously they're all technical, right? But they were deserved, you know, sign editing, film editing, effects, visual effects, all that. Yeah, there was the... the I remember I, wrench, I mentioned that one uh, review uh, with the silver thing, right? It was uh, Sean Means from yeah. Films.com. The Matrix serves up so much visual wizardry and thought-provoking ideas that even the inevitable silver touch, a finale with more bullets than the opening of Saving Private Ryan, can't destroy the magic. Um, which I think is a good, <laughs> it's a solid review. But it's funny... The flip side of it. Yeah, so Stephen Rosen from the Denver Post says, The Matrix not only is a failure as a science fiction movie, really, uh, long on explanation, short on inspiration, but it doesn't do anything interesting with the futuristic vision that it takes forever to explain. Yeah. Really? Like, really? He didn't get it. He just didn't get it. No. I kind, of, I kind of see that though because it, it, they, they do explain it but then like I said there's no answers It's it, you're just left kind of like yeah so so where do they go I mean right. the humans are living at the center of the earth in a, a city and right. they're gonna what happens if they defeat the machines like the world's destroyed I mean yeah well they I mean wouldn't you be better off just living in the matrix almost at that point point? and again I, this I is why know. I feel like this shouldn't be this should not have been a franchise sequel yeah. is that if the end of this movie for me I would have just been happy to walk away from that. Yeah. Like, the agent is dead. The bad guy's dead. They found the one. They can fix everything now. Right. The world can be rebuilt. Totally. Yeah, uh, let's imagine. Yeah, exactly. Great um, ending, by the way. Yeah. yeah very machine. good ending. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's stuff. a really good Phone ending. Call. And then he flies. Yeah, the first one should have been, should have been it. Um, so, I don't... I mean, we have a behind-the-scenes video. I, I think we can all kind of agree the ultimate action scene is the, is the lobby. It's the lobby scene. It's kind of like that is an ultimate action scene. Like yeah, that's true, true action. Like the, the lobby the, scene is... Yeah, we're a little short on time, so I think rather than showing the scene itself, actually, we should show that... We have a little behind-the-scenes video we pulled. Yeah. Um, just 
you know, I want to be able to show show that. It's cool. You can kind of see what we were talking about. A lot of people were injured in the making of this movie. A lot of people. A lot of stuntmen had broken ribs, broken mm-hmm. knees. You know, you had Hugo Weaving uh, had to get a hip surgery yep. during the film from injuring himself. But uh, it's cool. You can you can see Keanu uh, falling over while trying to round a corner and all kinds of fun stuff. So yeah, I mean it's it's real life. <laughs> yeah, you can see the Wachowskis. Um, so yeah, we gotta leave this in the background while we discuss the rest of this. I don't think discussing the only other scenes to me, action scenes that come to mind that are just two ultimate. The opening is really cool. Okay. Um, and I also think that the fight in the subway. That, yeah. That's the other one. Yeah, that's like the definitely. climax of the yeah. two. The two. Uh, yeah. The, the hero and the villain. And um, I love that scene. He's it's starting a great to scene. It's great. It's yeah. amazing. The shots, like the the shots that that um, pay tribute to anime, and then I think that the dojo scene is another it's very cool. action scene. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. It's a, it's a very good scene, which they built specifically just for that, just for that scene, just for this movie. Yeah, because they it's were a gonna, brand new set. Yeah, the dojo. Yeah, yeah. they were gonna, and I think the subway scene. I, what I read is they were originally gonna shoot it in a real subway, but mm-hmm. they needed to destroy too much of it, and there was too many, too much yeah. like the trains moving and all that, it was too, traffic, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Too hard to get it cleared out to shoot that. So. uh yeah, I think we can sort of sound off on our on our last bit of the show here with our favorite lines and, and whatnot and recasting. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have some favorite lines you, you pulled that were your were your favorites? Well, guns. We need guns. Lots, Lots of, of guns. guns. Yeah. It's always been one Lots of my favorites. Of yeah, it's like it's, it epitomizes Keanu Reeves, too. Yeah. Just his delivery. Uh, my... My comedy one is God damn you, Cypher. Yeah, I know. Right? Me and my roommates used to <laughs> always laugh at each other. I started laughing when she says Eat each other's food. Yeah. God damn you, Cypher. Uh, and then the other one is Do you think that me being faster or stronger has anything to do with my muscles in this place? He's like, No. Do you think that's air you're breathing? Because I remember watching that as a kid, I was like, holy shit. Whoa. It's not air. <laughs> Though it just, there's something you said, it actually just made me think of another great voice. I didn't use this as my recast, but. Uh, Dennis Haysbert, the uh, president from 24. Oh, I actually really? had a shot at playing this in a recast, just because hmm. he has a good deep voice. But I don't know if he, I don't know if I would have believed him as much. The amount of people that turned down working on this movie for crap is just beyond me. So innovative people. I mean, you know, it's uh, Will Smith did Wild Wild West. Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny <laughs> both did the X Files. Um, and Joel Silver got to use his giant uh, robotic spider that he wanted in the uh, Kevin Smith Superman <laughs> script exactly. that didn't show up in Wild Wild West. So look at that. It all, it all came full circle. Yeah, Boom. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, I think my favorite line, I had a really hard time picking one, but I basically, every time that Smith is on screen, every single time he oh, will even incredible. talks, I think is the best part of the movie for me. So like, just everything he's saying, like, I mean, aside from just saying Mr. Anderson over and over again... Mm-hmm. I just like all of his deliveries. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The, he's great. The, the speech that he gives to Fishburne when he's interrogating yeah. him is probably the best dramatic part of the whole movie for me. I, I even just like his simple stuff, the off-the-cuff stuff, like when he walks in and he's just like, in one world, you're Thomas Anderson. Yeah. And, right? And, like, it's just great. I get totally into it. So uh, I think that's sort of my answer to that question. Um, do we think the heroes and villains rank on our all-time lists? Of course they do. 100%, right? Yeah, way up there. I was like, yeah. how do you even ask that question? Yeah, I think they definitely do. Um, I, yeah, I, do you want to do anyone want to jump Dan, in? I want Damon to go first. Yeah, what, I mean, obviously you don't have, you <laughs> don't don't have, have your list, own but... personal list. You have sort of ours here in a yeah. very small document. Uh, but you can, you can, I mean... I, yeah, I think, I mean, Agent Smith is, is, is great, as you said. Yeah. He, he really is... Yeah, just good. He's a good presence on screen, and then yeah, I mean, Neo as well. You gotta gotta yeah. put him in there somewhere. I, I, it's hard to just yeah, yeah. I bought. Yeah, I totally know. I know. I know. Uh, what do you I, think, Drew? <clears throat> that's tough, man. 
That's real tough. Uh, I think I gotta put Neo at five. Heroes? Heroes. Number five? Number five. Way up there. Way wow. up there. In front of Ripley, in front of Bourne, in front of Dutch. Uh, <laughs> in front of Dutch. Yeah, I think, I think he's number five because <laughs> this is the great, this is one of the greatest heroes of our generation. Like, this movie, again, blew everyone's minds. Neo was, he's the one. He's the one. The one. Okay. He's the one. But not number one. Not Maybe number not one. Number he's, he's the five. Um, and then for Smith, Smith is really good. Smith's really he's good. really, really good. Uh, I think I gotta put him at six. I can go on Agent Smith number six, right behind uh, Damien. Oh, and Damien, who I just have this yeah, well, we both absurd love, love with <laughs> PSH. He's the greatest, and then uh, and then Commodus. Yeah, Commodus. I'm, I'm going to go seven on my hero. I'm going to put him one spot ahead of John Rambo. Okay, but he's still behind Jason Bourne for me, uh, Neo. And uh, for my, you're going to give me crap for saying five, and you're going to say seven. Well, he's not ahead of Dutch for me, so there's no crap involved. No one's ahead of Dutch for you. <laughs> one person is. We just haven't figured out who it is yet. Um, my villain. So you said you said you put him ahead of. You put him at six. I put him at six. Okay, and I'm gonna put. Man, this is tough. Is he better or worse than Davian? He's better than Davian. He's four. He's four. I almost thought about it. Yeah, I about he's it. one better. Yeah. I, I mean, I love. I do love Davian. I think he's fantastic. But right. I just think Agent Smith is so memorable. He's so iconic yeah. in this one. I, I in in Matrix. <laughs> But uh, anyway, we are a little short on time, so I want to move into our recast quickly here. Anybody who has an opinion on those rankings can uh, can let us know, can can argue with us. So once again, feel free to tweet at us or, or let us know what you think. Um, we have we have four minutes to wrap this, so we got to go. We got to go quickly. Uh, let's talk about recasting the five major roles. You have Keanu. We started like an We started so late. Yeah. Feel no, it's, it's 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 fine. We'll, we'll, let's just move through it so we can get our stuff in. So, yeah, so yeah. Keanu, Lawrence Fishburne, <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, and Joe Pantoliano. Uh, let's do them one character at a time. Who we have, uh, and we obviously don't have a long time, so maybe like a quick five to ten second explanation. Bottom sure. top. Yeah, let's go with Joe Pantoliano first. Your cipher. Who do you got? I got uh, John Leguizamo. Actually, it's it. good. Similar it's voice. So yeah, I like similar it. similar look. I like uh, it. can think of him in some other roles. <laughs> I almost did Luis Guzman. But I did not. It's very good. Uh, I have two. So one is the guy that plays the the role of Cypher, which is the disciple turned rogue that yep. wants out. And then I have the young kid that got pulled out of the Matrix that decided that he doesn't want to be here anymore. Yep. He wants back in. So for old, I went Simon Pegg. Okay. And for young, I went Josh Hutcherson. I like it. Yeah. This would be sort of the official shit weasel. We talk about the shit we weasel on the show. The a shit lot. weasel. Yeah, I well, think sure. the shit weasel. Pantoliano is definitely the shit weasel. I went with Fred Armisen. I think he has the dramatic chops to be kind of funky and funny, and I, I like it. Uh, I think he'd be mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's move. Let's move yeah. on. Hugo Weaving. What do you guys got? I have, to, I have Vincent D'Onofrio. I love if, it. If anyone's seen I the Daredevil min- miniseries, D'Onofrio. I'm a big fan of that choice. I have he a does lot have of love <laughs> for the character. <laughs> I think he can pull it off. He's yeah, he no, he's good. Me. He because he can fight. You see it. Yeah. You see it in, uh, in yeah. Daredevil. Um, I went Benicio del Toro. Oh, that's very good because he's a he's a savage. He's a like the dude can badass. do anything. He's an incredible actor, yeah. and he could be evil. He's good. Oh yeah. Uh, this is funny. I went with Hugo Weaving. I actually don't That's think funny. He, I actually thought of doing the same thing. Yeah, I don't could, think the age of the character years old. makes a difference. I think he could just as easily be fifty five and they just yeah. choreograph it and you know? Yeah. So totally. uh yeah. What do you guys got for Carrie Ann Moss? Emily Blunt. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought about it. She's incredible. I mean, she's the right age, too. Like, there's, like, this group of women that, and and I think you're using one of them, that is just, like, I want them to be every role. They're in all of them, these movies, yeah. I have Natalie Portman. Uh, I think she'd be good. so good. And, uh, I mean, V for Vendetta, she plays, um, Yeah. it's another Wachowski brothers, so it would be an easy... She's really good for that. Yeah, I went with swap. I went with Kate Beckinsale. She's uh, forty two now and looks like she's twenty eight still. Smoking hot. Uh, yeah. I think big Kate Beckinsale could do it. I watched Click the other day. Yeah, I love her. Very attractive. <laughs> um, okay, Lawrence Fishburne. Who do we got? Uh, uh, I have Sean Bean. It's really good. That's a good one. I like Sean I Bean. That. I tried to make the hobbits. I tried to take it from him. I'm sorry. Edward Stark. I, I, yeah. yeah, he just seems like he pulled off at odd. Yeah, kind of rugged look. You I love know, him. Can fight too. Yeah, Trevelyan. You know who I think that can fight? Who? Liam Neeson. Duke I thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, I like Liam Neeson. He's great. He's good. I know. I gender shifted. I went with Sigourney Weaver. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's a badass. She's the right age. I I, I like it because she's older enough than Kate Beckinsale's character would play that I think there could be sort of like a, like a mother-daughter sort who of was your Who was your agent Smith? Hugo Weaving. So you want to see Hugo Weaving fight... Hand-to-hand combat against Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I think they could do it. I think they could, too. We just need a couple walkers. Sigourney Weaver would have, like, short hair. All right, we, let's go. I let's just go. got to throw in real quick that I was considering Anthony Anderson as yeah. the recast. <laughs> just because of the, the facial similarity. One of my favorites. Uh, Keanu Reeves, guys. Neo. <clears throat> Who's our Neo? I, go ahead. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I just, you know, in, in, in Inception, I think, yeah. he's, I think he'd pull it off. I think he's, he's good in Looper. Probably a little bit better of an actor, maybe. Definitely. Uh, we'll call him different. I don't know if he could quite we'll have that awesome... You know, monotone delivery, but uh, yeah, have the same. Yeah, sure. I think he would. I think he would do well. Yeah, I like him. Uh, please, because mine's the best, so I gotta wait. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, as I said earlier, I think that it's the most perfectly cast role ever. It's very difficult to recast correctly. So I went with Garrett Hetland. I like him a lot. I think yeah. think he would be correct for this. He, he sort of has the lack of personality enough in the deep voice. Right. He could pull off the action stuff. I went with someone that's in basically the exact same part of their career. Super big A list. Bunch of bad rom-coms, did some things that were whatever. Gerard Butler? No. Oh. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> That's oh, interesting. Everyone had given up. On Ryan Reynolds. On Ryan Reynolds. Green now, Ryan. and people have given up on Keanu Reeves kind of at this point, too. In a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's a good one. I wonder if... <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Keanu Reeves, they're kind of bad actors in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I like it. Um, yeah. All right, guys. The final thing we talk about here is which of the three categories this fits into. And there are three action movie categories in our opinion. There's Totally Legitimate, which is, uh, I guess, these days we use... The Fugitive is the example, or Terminator 2. Um, we use Totally Ridiculous, which is like Con Air face-off, like falls off a cliff of kind of absurd. Right. And then we use rid- uh, Ridiculously, what is it? Ridiculously Legitimate. legitimate. I always got those two mixed up. And uh, that's The Rock, or Point Break, or The Speed, or something. It's kind of a movie, a combination of campy and strong performances. It's very engaging, but it doesn't lose you ever completely by being too absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, which of the three categories is The Matrix, quickly <clears> before we have to sign off and give away a mug here? Ridiculously legitimate all the way for me. Definitely. It's a, the middle category. It's not totally legitimate. Yeah. There's a lot of it that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Keanu Reeves is, is the lead, so mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to... Yeah. But that's that's mine. No, no, you. Please. Totally legit. Okay. Totally legit. Yeah. I think that there's some unintentional comedy here, but very, very little. And for the most part, this movie still succeeds dramatically for me. I'm totally engaged. Even like... Even like scary stuff or the like the gory stuff, you know, like a little bug in his stomach. Yeah. A lot of that stuff, very cool. So I think it still works. Uh, yeah, I actually agree. I was surprised because I didn't think so, but this yeah. movie is to me is totally legitimate. Yeah, 
Um, I totally understand the argument for being ridiculously legitimate. It's like on the line. Yeah. For me, it's just right about it. Probably not when we can use it as an example. but Definitely not. Yeah. But uh, it's it's pretty close. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Excellent. So we are going to give away a mug here because we have been getting ratings and reviews from you guys. And you're awesome. And uh, Mastershake28 on iTunes. That is your your username. We're going to be getting you a mug along with Brian Hurst. And uh, our first one, JFL, or J- 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 I should have written it down. Sure. You guys are all going to get mugs. Just check into this and let us know that you heard us say it. Uh, that will do it for Action Movie Anatomy, the Matrix edition. Awesome. With, a lot of fun, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much yeah. for coming, man. First one in the studio. So uh, mm-hmm. thank you guys for, for checking out the episode and be, be here next week. I'm not sure what movie we're doing just yet. We have to figure that out. Lake House. <laughs> wow. Doing the Lake House. Strong move. Uh, Damon Leachman, if they want to find Damon Leachman, he's a creature of the night. They can, Can't find me. They can stalk him. I'm not sure how they'd find you. Andrew Guy, if Good people luck. wanted to find you, where they can find you? You can find me at Andrew Guy on Twitter. And if you guys want to find me, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Ben Bateman Media. We will see you next week. Goodbye. to the Popcorn Talk Network for the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews. Well, that's what it's going to be today.